Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Andy Levy, former Fox News and CNN HLN guy and current cable news conscientious objector. I'm a former libertarian who now sits comfortably on the left. Hi, I'm Danielle Moody, former educator and recovering lobbyist. But today I'm an unapologetic woke commentator on America's threats to democracy. And I'm producer Jesse Cannon, and I'm here to make sure things don't go too far off the rails. We're here to have fun, smart conversations with some of the most knowledgeable and entertaining people in politics, media, and beyond. Our goal is to try and make sense of our current crazy world, our new abnormal, and hopefully even make you laugh through the tears. Hello and welcome to another Sunday bonus episode of the new abnormal. We thank you so much for being here. Today we have an extra special guest with author Keith Boykin, who will join us to talk about his upcoming book, Why Does Everything Have to Be About Race? And he'll tell us all about that. But first, let's have some fun. Are you guys ready to listen to some clips? Clips. 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 All right, we're going to start off light. I hate when you say that. <laughs> listen, listen, got to ease you to hell. So we often save this part of the show for a little later where we talk about saying the quiet part out loud. But here we have the fives, Greg Gutfeld, ranting against podcasts, a subject very near to my heart, and I'm sure you two as well. And then Jesse Waters, well, he does his usual thing of telling on himself. Because that, because podcasts, two hours long, three hours long, you're dealing now in the real world. That's why I don't go on podcasts, because I'm exposed as an idiot after two minutes. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, two minutes is a long time. (laughs) (laughs) He's giving himself a lot of credit there. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Oh, it is funny, though, because like I think one of the old discussions we used to have about Fox News is like how much they get away with this because there's never any confrontation to their ideas. Oh, yeah. The only thing that surprises me about this is that Jesse Waters has even that small degree of (laughs) self-awareness. It's true. (laughs) Unless he was he probably thinks he was joking, but he wasn't. Yeah. Oh, my God. God, he's so dumb. It really makes me think, though. I think, you know, you you just need to tell me which of you is putting the uh, interview request in, and I'll make sure to invite him on for now. Oh, please let it be me. (laughs) Okay, so now we come to Dementia J. Trump, who is uh, not looking so hot (laughs) out on the campaign trail. Frankly, it's always hard to choose which of his insane ramblings for this segment to use, but now the criteria has gone from what is the most insane, sundown, and confused one to, well... I'm going to let him do the talking and we can figure out what the fuck this is. But we're also going to place strong protections to stop banks and regulators from trying to debank you from your, you know, your your political beliefs, what they do. They want to debank you and we're going to debank. Think of this. They want to take away your rights. They want to take away your country. The things you're doing, all electric cars, give me a break. If you want an electric car, good. But they don't go far. They're very expensive. They're going to be made. What does debank you mean? <laughs> like debank you from your rights? What is he saying? 
I think he's trying to say take away your money, but the brain on that one. Is the bank demanding I get an electric car? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't see that in my recent statement. Did you guys see that in your recent (laughs) bank statement? I mean, the the interesting thing here is that most of this debanking is done against sex workers. Mm, Good point. Where, you know, places like PayPal will not allow it to be used as a payment method uh, for OnlyFans and for stuff like that. Generally, this sort of thing is used to target sex workers. And Donald Trump has his own history with sex workers. (laughs) And I guess that didn't work out too well for him. So maybe you'd think he would be in favor of this debanking. I I love when he throws in like the electric cars thing was clearly not in the prompter. Yeah. He was talking about whales the other day in the speech, too. Yeah. It's just like, you know, he's not sundowning. I mean, it's midnight. A thought pops in his brain, and somehow he's talking about, you know, banks not letting you use it for specific businesses or or whatever. And then suddenly that makes him think of electric cars. And apparently everyone is now being forced to buy an electric car or whatever. It's bizarre. And it's the kind of thing that, again, you know, might be funny if he weren't going to be the running for president. Yeah. If you weren't going to be the first official dictator of the United States. Do you know what I think? I don't think that anything is in the teleprompter. I think it's like an Etch-A-Sketch. I think he's just like like up there, like turning the knobs and, you know, like that's what I think it is. I could see Stephen Miller being a really bad artist and that would explain a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's like they're playing Pictionary. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. and he's like and he's like ah 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 electric, uh, electric car, car. Like, electric it car. makes sense it's like no that's an atm yeah. it's an atm no electric car electric yeah. car i don't know y'all personally i saw him carry <laughs> pizzas this week and i thought it was pretty presidential so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or as he calls it an hors d'oeuvre Ooh. mm-mm So speaking of telling on themselves, Meatball Ron is increasingly turning against Mr. Trump as he sees his chances of not being yelled at nightly by Casey being uh, pretty likely. He's going to probably be enduring that a lot about how bad and weird he was as a candidate on this trail. So he decided to spit some facts. And for once, I agree with Meatball Ron got basically a praetorian guard of, of, of the conservative media, uh, Fox News, um, you know, the, the websites, all the, this stuff. They just don't they don't hold them accountable because they're worried about losing viewers and they don't want to have the ratings go down. Uh, and, and that's just that's just the reality. That's just the truth. And I'm not complaining about it. Um, I'd rather that not be the case. But that's just, a, I think, an objective reality. I mean, broken clock is right twice a day. <laughs> I mean, This would mean more if, I don't know if people remember, but at the beginning of of Rob's campaign, he wouldn't talk to the media, the quote-unquote mainstream media. And he wanted to very much control which media he spoke to and which media got to talk to him. So he sort of ironically complaining about the very thing that he was trying to do. I guess his complaint here is, as always, Trump is better at it than him. And, mm-hmm. you know, that mm-hmm. explains everything about this campaign. You know that thing that went around, like, how many times a day does a man think of the the Roman Empire? I think Ron DeSantis is one of those guys. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, are you? I have got to say, I remember when that was going around and I was like, really? Are dudes thinking of the Roman Empire? 
I don't know. I don't really think about the Roman Empire. Same. Uh, I spend most of my day thinking about the shameful treatment of women in our society, Jesse. <laughs> I love that for you. Uh, <laughs> ally of the year. Uh, I love being a stereotype. So to finish this out, do you guys remember that movie, The Sixth Sense? Yes, uh, yes, yeah. I see dead people. So exactly, yeah. So, so for those no who spoilers, familiar, there, there, there was a kid who said, even in the trailer, Andy, so it's not a spoiler, <laughs> that he sees dead people. In the land of telling on themselves, I think whenever Marjorie Taylor Greene leaves her district where she feels safe around her followers, the triggered little snowflake she is, well, whenever she sees a person of color, something along those lines that she sees something the rest of us don't see happens. The Biden administration is guilty of the largest human trafficking operation in history. This is human trafficking. I just traveled in airports across the country just the past few days. You know what I saw in our airports? Migrants, illegal aliens all over in the airports. (laughs) So whenever she goes to an airport and it's not the whites only airport (laughs) that apparently she's more accustomed to in Georgia that somehow all of those people that are there at Chipotle or (laughs) McDonald's are migrants. That's what she's just said, right? Yes. And she also managed to throw in the word illegal there, which I don't know. Did she go up to each of them and ask for their citizenship status? I'm sure she'd like to. I would not put it past her. (laughs) Well, that's true. That's true. You just, you run out of things to say about people like this. You see anyone who doesn't look like you and and that's your reaction? Like, that's just, there's something wrong with your brain, lady. I would love to see Marjorie Taylor Greene in an airport. (laughs) I I really would. I would. Mm-hmm. Honestly, guys, I'm going to say right here, I'd risk it all. I would love <laughs> to see Marjorie Taylor Greene in a fucking airport. But you have to, you'd have to put on a fake accent. Mm-hmm. Easy. I'd do it. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. When picking a commerce platform for your business, you have two choices. Or prefer don't you that's the sound you'll hear when you switch your business to shopify the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell online in person on social media and beyond shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling your business's complexity no matter how big you grow 
Step up to Shopify and harness the best converting checkout and the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands like Rothy's, Allbirds, Brooklinen, and so much more. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache. Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate your products, orders, customers, and more from every major e-commerce platform to Shopify. If you're anything like me, you're one of those don't put me in a box people. Everyone who knows me knows I'm a don't put me in a box person. And thankfully, Shopify never will because with Shopify, control of your brand and business is always in your hands from your storefront look to your back office operations. I hate when checking out from an online store and then having to pull out my credit card and type in all those numbers. A Shopify store remembers my shipping address and payment information. So if I'm on the couch and my wallet is on the kitchen counter... I don't even have to get up. Stop leaving sales on the table. Switch your business to Shopify and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their business. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash abnormal, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash abnormal, all lowercase. Shopify.com slash abnormal. Folks, I am very happy to welcome to the new abnormal Keith Boykin, who is an author, a national political commentator, a TV and film producer, and so many things. Keith is author of the new book, his latest book, Why Does Everything Have to Be About Race? Keith, why does everything have to be about race? (laughs) My answer to that question is because white people make everything about race. But please tell me. Spoiler alert. Wow. That's the, if if I tell you the answer to that, then no one will buy the book. (laughs) Well, I I think you're, you're very perceptive, obviously, Danielle. And uh, clearly that is the, the reason why everything is about race, but we've been gaslit into believing that black people, people of color are making everything about race. Progressives are always making everything about race. Why are you talking about all the racist things that are going on in America? Why are you talking about voting rights? And why are you talking about police brutality? Why are you talking about employment discrimination? Why are you talking about all these issues that affect black people disproportionately or people of color disproportionately? Because we're affected by it. And we didn't create the system. We are the victims of that system. So you're exactly right. That's why everything is about race. What makes this book, which is going to be on stands this week, is the fact that it is a book about debunking 25 of the myths or the things that people say that tell us, for instance, you, like everybody else, were watching when Nikki Haley asked very clearly, very clear question, Keith. I I did not think it was an agacha question about why the Civil War was started. She seemed to get tripped up about it. It was about states' rights. Oh, it wasn't about slavery. This country doesn't have a racist bone in its body. What do you make of just the outright gaslighting that is happening? And does it feel different to you this time around than previous? Well, when Nikki Haley was first asked the question, her initial response was to walk away from the questioner, turn around and then say, well, you have to start with a a tough question. You know, she thought it was a hard question to answer. 
a question that should have been resolved 160 years ago, that we all know the Civil War was about slavery. And she knows that because she's from the state of South Carolina, which was the first state to secede from the Union. And she knows it because South Carolina is a state that started the Civil War when they fired on Fort Sumter, <laughs> fired on Union forces in Fort Sumter in April 1861. So what's going on here is not just that Nikki Haley has some sort of temporary memory lapse is that she is mm -hmm. playing to a particular set of people, a base of people in Donald Trump's Republican Party who are invested in not believing the truth and not perpetuating the truth. In fact, in covering up and hiding that truth. That's why we're being gaslit. They all know better, but they know that this mentality of white victimhood plays so well with their Trump MAGA base that they have to lean into it, even when it's patently false. I mean, just a few days ago, even after the slavery question, and she fumbled that, just a few days ago, Nikki Haley had the audacity to say that America has mm -hmm. never been a racist country. Now, there are some people, a lot of politicians say America is not a racist country. You can debate that point and talk about what progress we've made and all that kind of stuff. But to go that extra step and say that America has never been a racist country is to deny so much history of slavery and segregation and lynching and mass incarceration and disproportionate treatment of African-Americans and people of color is, is to be grotesquely irresponsible and dis disqualifying for office. I wish that it was disqualifying for office because then we wouldn't have a Republican primary. What I find really interesting about the way that you lay out your book in terms of busting these myths is that obviously you're using facts and you're using points in history. And I'm just curious as to, for you, who is this book for? Because you have 30% of the population who, it doesn't matter if you put facts in front of them. It doesn't matter if you tell them, well, it's raining outside. If Donald Trump tells them that it's snowing, then they're going to say that it's snowing outside, ah, even though it's right. rain. Do you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, I'm curious if 30% of the population, in my humble opinion, is lost for generations because they refuse facts, because they are part of the don't look up group, you know, from the movie, don't look up. That is who they are. Who is your book for? And is it a tool for the rest of us, I guess? Well, it's definitely not for the 30% of people who will never listen to facts in history, because I, like you, agree that those people are not going to change and be persuaded. Uh, there's so much evidence out there that is already available. I got an email just yesterday from a colleague in Memphis who's who's invited me to Tennessee for a book signing next month. And he sent me this post and said that we should all be out here saying this. That'll really change things for the election. And I, I sent him a response. I said, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you say. <laughs> you can inundate them with facts, shower them with facts. But as long as Trump continues to be a racist, he will continue to be, get their support. You know, you say he could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and yep. wouldn't lose any, any supporters. That's true because they're not investing in his policies. They're not investing in anything except for his grievance. This idea that he represents the grievance of white people people who feel like they're oppressed in America. That's an audience that I don't ever hope to reach. But I do hope that this book does reach the millions and millions of other people 
who are tired of that, sick and tired of hearing those arguments and want some sort of quick reference book, an arsenal of information to be able to respond to the lies and to the misinformation. When people say these ridiculous things, that civil war was not about slavery, or Barack Obama uh, solved the problem with, with America's history, or white people were treated just as bad as black people were, and all these other myths that get perpetuated in society, uh, they just need to be debunked. One of the things that you also talk about in the book is critical race theory. From your stance as a commentator, did Democrats go about refuting critical race theory in the wrong way? Meaning, did we spend too much time saying it's not taught in schools, it's not taught in schools, when we should have been saying, why isn't it taught in schools? Don't you think we would be better off if we started teaching young people to think critically about race and the world? Wouldn't we be a better country for it? Do you think that we we played that hand wrong? That's a very good question. I'm not inclined to think that there is a right way or wrong way to handle this. I mean, this was a manufactured controversy. And it was right. manufactured out of thin air. I, I talk, I wrote about this in the book, but the person who started this controversy actually was a guy named Chris Ruffo, <laughs> who we've seen recently. He's the one who helped to spearhead the effort to push out Claudine Gay as president of Harvard. But when I wrote about him in the book and starting the whole critical race theory controversy, I didn't mention him by name because I didn't think anybody knew who he was and wasn't worth mentioning. <laughs> and then this, <laughs> whole this whole controversy has blown up since that time with Harvard. But I do think that this is another example of the fact that there is a significant number of people who will not listen to any sort of facts or information. And it's a waste of time to try to pick a strategy to reach them. I agree with you on one point, though, I think, and, and maybe this is the point you're making, which is a larger point in terms of how Democrats and people on the left should fight back, is that we need to be less defensive. We need to start right. being more yes. aggressive about what we believe in. But I think what we did in this case, I don't think necessarily defensive. I think what we did in the critical race theory case is that we were trying to be factual and logical. And the people who are against us aren't factual or logical. They don't care about that. It's all emotional for them. And so we have to figure out ways to, to do both, to be aggressive and not defensive and still be factual and logical, because that's who we are as progressives. We like to make our decisions and base our actions on information, not based on mythology. How much do you think, Keith, that this election measured against 2020, 2016 is going to be about race, is going to be about race, racism and white supremacy? Well, I'm of the belief that every election in our history has been about race, racism and white supremacy. It hasn't gotten any better. You know, there was an interview on CNN the other day with Natasha Offord talking with Scott Jennings, uh, who's a Republican political commentator. And they're talking about Nikki Haley. And Scott responded to Natasha's statement and to Nikki Haley's statements by saying, well, you know, the country has improved so much and we're, we're a lot better off than we were on race issues than we were 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. I don't believe that. I think we're moving backwards on race issues, especially within the past 10, 15 years. There has been a, a concerted movement, a backsliding 
since Barack Obama was elected president. That's what animated the Tea Party. That's what caused Donald Trump to spend five and a half years lying about President Obama's birth certificate. That's the reason why Donald Trump ran his campaign by attacking Mexicans and Muslims in, in his first campaign. That's the reason why Donald Trump in 2020 uh, tried to throw out millions of votes of black people in Atlanta and Detroit and Philadelphia and other black cities because race has been the animating factor for quite some time and it's only gotten worse in the Trump era. And there's a lot of people, you recall this, I'm sure you do, because we were all talking about this uh, back in 2016. A lot of people, a lot of white commentators and white progressive commentators were saying, oh, it's just economic anxiety. Yep. It's not race. It's just economic anxiety. We have to figure out a way to, as Democrats, just appeal to, the, to, to, to respond to their economic anxiety. Well, that's baloney. It's not about economic anxiety. It never has been because the policies that the Democrats are advocating actually benefit the white middle class and what lower class much more than the than the Republican policies do. But what doesn't benefit them, and you know, this is something that one of my critical race theory heroes, Derek Bell, who is one of my law professors, talks about, is that there is a property interest in whiteness. And so even though they may not benefit financially or economically from Republican or conservative policies, they do benefit in some sort of economic way by virtue of creating a sense of hierarchy and perpetuating that hierarchy in which white people are on top. There is an economic value to that. And that is what they're clinging on to. You know, Barack Obama used that phrase back in the 2008 campaign, I think it was. He said when people get disaffected, they cling to their guns and their religion and people attacked him for saying that. Well, it's true. It's not just guns and religion. They're clinging to their racism. And we're seeing that much more evident in every election in recent years. And I think it's going to be much worse in 2024. They're going to be attacking Kamala Harris, even though she's not at the top of the ticket, because that's part of the reason why they are attacking Joe Biden's age, because they're saying, oh, this black woman is going to be the next president if you elect Joe Biden. And they're going to be using every trick in the book from Donald Trump on down to perpetuate that those racist lies. Let me ask you this, which is about the 2024 election when we have 10 months to go, which is that progressives, Democrats, liberals, whatever we want to say who is inside of the tent are fairly divided right now. The president, the Biden campaign has come out with save democracy as their campaign slogan, right? As as the theme that they are going to build their campaign around. And it's not registering. And folks are saying, well, it's not enough to just, you know, say all of the bad things that Donald Trump has done and all of the indictments that he has. Like, it's it's not going to be enough. 2024, and I've said it on every show that, I, that I'm on, is the last election if a Democrat does not win the White House, right? I don't have to love Joe Biden in order to, like, love rights. That's the message that I have. And I'm just wondering, what is it, if anything, that has us coalesce? around this greater, not only domestic threat, but global threat to our stability. People have a very short memory. And a lot of people have forgotten what chaos we lived through for four years under Donald Trump. I haven't forgotten because I had to spend every single day covering Trump on CNN and watching all of his tweets and responding to every ridiculous thing he said and all of his policies. But a lot of people have 
forgotten that and they've moved on to, well, Joe Biden is the problem because he didn't fix this and he didn't fix that. Yeah, Joe Biden is has never been my favorite candidate for president. I have to be very upfront about that. He's run for president three times before this one. I didn't support him in any of those elections. And when we ran in the 2020 election, I supported Kamala Harris and Julian Castro and Elizabeth Warren. Anybody but Joe Biden. But I voted for him. I don't, can't even begin to say how much better he was than Donald Trump. But almost any Democrat would be better than Donald Trump. Almost. And so the truth is that... We are so far ahead now of November that I'm hopeful that in the next few months, when the election becomes more focused, definitely by the time we get to the fall general election cycle, that people will start to, to realize just what a threat Donald Trump is. I don't know what the right message is. I don't know if there is one single right message. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know if the threat to democracy is it, the, the taking away of voting rights, uh, the, the taking away of women's rights to control their own body, it's the, the assassination of, of LGBTQIA rights, which is on, on the horizon the assault on the government itself and the administrative state, which is what they're trying to do in the Supreme Court yesterday, or even just the idea that they're going to stack the Supreme Court and all the lower courts with judges who will overturn any progressive legislation or any progressive government action for decades to come because these judges will have lifetime tenure and they will give Donald Trump the ability to do whatever he wants as a dictator or an autocrat. So I think we have many reasons to be concerned, but people right now aren't fully paying attention in part because they're focused on Joe Biden. You know, and Donald Trump is still not that figure, but he could be indicted. And I mean, he's, he could be, excuse me, he's already been indicted four times. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> he could be convicted. And I, I don't think he would lose many supporters in the Republican base for being convicted, to be honest. He wants this election because he wants to, he wants to protect himself from going to jail. I think that's the reason why he ran for office in the first place. I don't think he wants to be president. And I certainly don't think he cares anything about the Republican Party agenda. He doesn't even care about the Republican Party. There was some discussion some time ago about what would happen if Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis won the primary. And I've been telling people this for the past year. There is no chance that any other person but Donald Trump will win the primary. Zero. As long as Donald Trump is alive, he will be the nominee. And the reason why is because even if some other candidate beats him in one primary or caucus or another or beats him in the nomination, he will tear down the entire Republican Party before he allows anyone else to take that position. And I also think that that was just a false dream that we had. And I say we, I mean, you know, Democrats, that somehow the Republican Party was going to implode. Somehow they were going to have a come to Jesus moment that, oh, what have we done and reconcile with who they truly are? When, in fact, I think Donald Trump has revealed who they truly are. Keith Boykin, I thank you so much for making the time to join The New Abnormal. Folks, the book is 25 Arguments That Won't Go Away. Why does everything have to be about race? Get it, pre-order it. It is out this week and it's necessary. It's necessary for your kitchen table conversations, your dinner table conversations, and just what kind of America we want to become. Keith, thank you so much. Really appreciate you. Thanks so much, Daniel. It's great to speak to you again. Hope you enjoy checking out this episode of The New Abnormal. We're back every Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday. If you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend and keep the conversation going. This podcast is a Daily Beast production with production by Jesse Cannon and Seamus Calder. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.